you've invited your friend to watch the championship match of your favorite Zero-G Frisbee League. Though the spectator view isn't the best, you're able to put yourself in the shoes of the star player as they intercept the pass and punch their way through the defending line. They wind up, fling the disc downfield. The long shot goes through the goal, scoring the match point. You erupt in excitement and look at your friend, but they're totally unenthused. I don't get it. What's going on here? Hello and welcome to Head Mounted Destinations, a podcast about virtual reality and VR game development. We provide our perspective as developers and a peek behind the curtain for those interested in how VR games are made. I'm Carlos, and I'm a game designer. And I'm Matt, and I'm a gameplay programmer. Today, we're talking about hypersports. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Real quick, to define hypersports before we jump into talking about it. When we say hypersports, we mean an activity that requires some amount of uh, athleticism, but which involves things which couldn't be done in real life. For example, having zero gravity. Can't do that. So these are sports that have to be in a VR headset in order to be played. Now, you know, oh, you're talking about esports, right? This is VR esports. Well, technically, yes, but we wanted to differentiate because esports, when you think about esports, it's a bunch of dudes in a row on computers all clicking away at their, their keyboards. And this, the, the idea of sports in VR really has very little to do with that. Right. We're focusing more so on the actual amount of like athleticism, uh, body action, or kinesis that's demanded of the player in order to perform well at these games, which in themselves are built off of uh, familiar sports that we would know just with, again, that hyper, that impossible condition to make it even more fun. Right. So as a couple of examples... Echo Arena, you know, as obviously at the mention of zero gravity, it's an example because it's sort of like uh, basketball or frisbee or, or rugby, but in zero gravity and you can punch out people. Um, Blast On is a, a game we were playing recently, and that's... Dodgeball with guns. Exactly. Dodge, dodgeball with slow-mo guns. And then there's like Racket NX, which is sort of like racquetball, but in a dome with pinball mechanics on the ball, which like you can see how each of these sort of relate to a a regular sport, but then have this bizarre twist that's totally impossible with just real life equipment. And something that Matt has been saying, like through all of his examples are these familiar sports that we can relate to what level of activity they take, right? Like racquetball or wall ball being this sort of tennis, like paddle activity, uh, the echo arena game being more like a, some sort of like rugby ultimate Frisbee type thing and blast on being the very like immediate area dodgeball you know similar to like a laser maze or maybe how some people might play super hot it's a lot of dodging and weaving and stuff which really you know for long periods of time it's very taxing on the player so today we want to talk about hypersports and how it's like playing the sports of the future today but 
we want to, you know, look at how potentially hypersports could take a position in society and culture that's similar to regular sports as they are today. And in order to do that, first we have to understand why the heck are sports popular in the first place? And we broke it down into two uh, distinct categories. The first is that it's a shared subculture. Um, So everyone watches the same basketball game or football game and has their favorite team and knows things about the players and generally have some emotional attachment to the outcome because they're in this, you know, they're sharing the experience with other people that are their friends and they're talking about it. So that's one aspect. And the other aspect that makes sports compelling is that you can just sort of understand the amount of skill and athleticism involved. Like, you're like, dang, that guy is jumping really high, or that person's running really fast. Um, Especially because with a lot of sports, you can play them at an amateur level yourself, right? You can kick a ball around or throw a Frisbee or throw a football. And you're like, all right, I'm, I'm like pretty bad at this. And then you see someone do this ridiculous feat and you're like, wow. That's that's pretty amazing. And so just that raw understanding of someone is very talented at this thing makes it compelling to watch. So those are the two two reasons that we outline or that we highlighted for why people like sports in general. And so we want to look at how we can double down on both of those, but for hypersports. Playing hypersports is insanely fun. Why is it that this insanely fun activity has not spread to a more like wide like mainstream appeal, a wider audience? Why why is zero G rugby not catching on? It's zero G freaking rugby. Like it it should be <laughs> it should be something everybody wants to watch, everybody wants to play, but it's just not catching on. And like we described before, there are some things that maybe we can do on the software side as well as the societal side to sort of help these hypersports catch on. So let's first talk about the software side of things because that'll be a little easier for us to to go through at the at the start. Yeah, what what do you think, Matt? How do we how do we start the ball on this? Firstly, these games, these hypersports don't demand the highest level of athleticism that they could. So in terms of appealing to people's just base amazement of, wow, that's really impressive, we need to design in ways to crank up the difficulty. Uh, Probably the easiest way to do that is just increase the match length, right? So for the example of Echo Arena, the match lengths are relatively short. I think just a couple of minutes and like maybe... 10, 13 points is the mercy limit. Yeah, they they tweak it every now and then, so it's always in flux, but yeah. Yeah, but if you think about basketball, it has breaks and longer time periods and timeouts and all this stuff. So integrating these aspects that drag out the length of the game and, and demand more conditioning from the players will help in making it more the athleticism more impressive and also aim assist like disabling that puts more onus on the player to actually finesse their shot in a way that is more accurate than just relying on you know whatever invisible invisible helper system is there uh i think that also 
we as developers, as designers, can make these sports games more relatable through the kinesis of the player, uh, especially emphasizing that kinesis rather than focusing on uh, like controller inputs, like you know having to use the joystick or button presses to create these like abstract counters. You could have a player actually like punch a a projectile out of the air or some or have them dodge it and this could be a more visibly stimulating action to somebody outside of the headset yeah an example of this is the boost in echo where it's you click in the joystick and it gives you a big boost in the direction you're looking not only is this hard to understand as a viewer because it's hard to tell when they click in the thumbstick but it's also doesn't make a whole lot of sense it, because relating it to the head location or rotation, nothing else is based on that. Like all the other movement is based on the hands. So this is something that could potentially be reworked to make it more obvious to an audience. Right. And on top of making the uh, kinesis more relatable to spectators, uh, either of the game or of the VR player, you could also reduce aspects uh within the mechanics that may not be relatable this isn't necessary but this is something that can be done to just make your game more relatable so without sacrificing the hyper part of your hyper sport you could kind of massage the say pinball mechanics of racket nx to be a little more readable either through like vfx callouts ui callouts that say kind of like what's happening or what these things are um, it doesn't necessarily even have to be on the player camera itself, right? Like there are several uh, VR games that make their own separate spectator window camera with its own overlay. That might be something that people could lean into in order to uh, provide that information. Because some experience that I've had with Racket NX, showing it to friends and family alike, young and old, is that they understand almost like it's Wii Tennis, they understand like, oh, okay, I'm swinging the paddle, I'm hitting the ball, it's coming back to me, but they don't really get what's going on when the ball gets like stuck in a specific part of the wall and starts bouncing off and causing things to happen. Um, so trying to make those things more easily readable would definitely help for whatever your hypersport is to kind of break out and be more shareable that's the big thing nowadays is being shareable yeah i remember watching uh, an echo arena like tournament and just the setup for spectator view was not great i think they had a very small overlay in the corner of the screen that showed people's positions on the field but it didn't really it wasn't that useful in terms of understanding how the game was proceeding and the the full view was basically just someone like controlling a free roam camera flying around the level following people whereas if you think about watching football or something a lot of the time the camera is zooming out and it's showing you the full field and where people are and then zooming in and and showing the motion of a player so i think the presentation to the viewer goes a long way and so like for racket nx that might involve having a representation of the full dome sort of like unwrapped and showed in a rectangle with colored hexes that indicate the state of each each hex that will allow you 
just at a glance to take in the state of the game and understand why the player is making the choices that they are. Right, and something that we can draw as a real-life comparison to that is, uh, I think, baseball. When you're watching a baseball match, uh, if I recall correctly, in like one of the corners of the screen, you'll often see a 2D top-down representation of the map with like how many bases are loaded and like you know where these players might be going you know next. So something similar to that you know, we already have made to make games more readable. We can easily bring that type of thinking into our VR game development thinking. Exactly. Like, if you don't understand why someone is chucking the disc downfield in Echo, right, because you don't know the layout, where all the players are, and why they're making this decision, it's much less interesting to watch. Whereas, you know, if you understand what's going on, then you can either praise or shout out the shout out the person for making that choice you know like oh why are you doing that or like oh that that was a really risky play but it worked out yeah and there is also the potential of mixed reality this is something that i personally am trying to learn more about and actually see if i could set up on my own on my own like at home for recording videos but uh mixed reality might really help sell the athleticism and the relatability of the actions performed in VR, right? Like, I think I see a lot, at least on, say, my Oculus feed and half the time on Reddit for VR things, I see these mixed reality videos of people in Beat Saber, like, doing the strikes and and getting 100%. And those, I think, are easily shareable because it does the job of being relatable, uh, being readable, and being easily shareable. Yeah, and that's why games like Beat Saber and like Super Hot and like Blade and Sorcery could blow up because it has those three things to some, to a fair extent. Yeah, something like Blast On would benefit a lot from having mixed reality because that game is all about weaving your body into weird positions to avoid projectiles, and when that's just represented through a VR avatar, it looks kind of stupid. It's just this like head and body bobbing around. But if you overlaid the player's actual body on that footage in a you know well-composited way, it would make it much more compelling because you you understand how difficult it is to like bend backwards and I don't know rest on one hand like whatever crazy acrobatics people would be doing. Right. So the whole other side that we need to address in order to look at why hypersports aren't more popular is the cultural aspect, right? So we've covered athleticism and and how to make the game more relatable to viewers, but ultimately a large reason that people like sports is because their friends like sports and that there's a whole subculture and community around it. And that doesn't really exist right now for any of these games. Uh, And it's a little bit of a chicken and egg problem because... Like, if you don't have enough fans for a culture, but you can't get fans because there's no culture? Right. I guess it's not very chicken and eggy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there isn't much cultural momentum going on right now because a lot of, I mean, sort of long and short of it, money is the root of all all problems and all evil and money is currently missing on both sides of this issue so uh we 
we don't have enough headsets out in the world and this creates that unfamiliarity issue that that I can't relate to what you're doing because I don't own a headset. I've never played this. I've like never even hung out with somebody who owns a headset, right? So we need more we need more headsets out in the in the world and people playing these games, but at the same time, VR games for the most part aren't a large enough market to justify sinking so many millions of dollars into marketing pushes right like uh in large part the vr games you see are mostly like these facebook or like first party essentially like these facebook games or like uh half-life alex would be like a you know almost a first party because it's made by valve yeah that it mirrors the issue with both multiplayer games in general not catching on and also esports having trouble becoming mainstream where there's not enough people who are familiar with the thing that's going on to even be interested you know anyone can pick up a football but not anyone can get a headset in their hands and experience what it's like to to be in zero gravity in echo and this is an issue because there's not going to be any interest in getting marketing deals because there's not enough people who are interested in the thing and no one's going to be interested because there's no marketing. Really, we just need more headsets in hands, I think, to start. But also, we need a stronger community around the game. There's a little bit of this with like Discord channels and, and stuff, but I think what we need is enough people playing the game that there can be real life communities around this stuff we're starting to see that a little bit but it's still a little bit too rare but once we start seeing like uh, a whole office having like an sort of intramural league where they're all playing echo or something i think once we hit that amount of saturation where that sort of thing can be put together we'll start seeing more success and it might be able to snowball upwards in terms of popularity. Yeah, a large part of this, uh, you, a good thing you touched on is the sort of isolated factor of it, right? Like, it, we need to hit that sort of critical mass of like one in every five houses has a VR headset in order for enough people to bump into each other and say, hey, oh, you have this, I have this, and here's a free game or here's a game we both own to get into. Um, another big thing uh, regarding money, I guess, is the fact that Echo Arena is free and probably at this point in time in the market, any other multiplayer sport-focused game should likely be free or close to free in order to make it that much more easily accessible to help build a a community around it. Mm -hmm. So to recap, hypersports, the sports of the future that you can play today, still have a couple of roadblocks ahead of them. The first is that there needs to be a little bit of more thinking in terms of the design to allow it to be more viewable to the average Joe and generally make it more relatable in terms of the kinesthetics involved and decreasing the gaminess of it, making it just more obvious and impressive in terms of the athleticism. And it needs more cultural momentum, which at the end of the day is just an issue of not enough headsets and hands, not enough saturation in the general uh, zeitgeist. 
All right, listener, now's your time to shine. We've been talking about VR hypersports as if they're the closest thing to sports as possible. Do you agree with this? We want you to let us know. We'd also love to know if you have further ideas about why these sports haven't taken off in the public consciousness and if you have any examples of VR hypersports that we might have missed. Uh, today we talked about Blaston, Echo Arena, and what was the last one, Matt? Racket NX. Racket NX. We talked about these three really cool games, but there might be some nugget out there, some destination that's just obscured by clouds that we need our listeners to blow away and show us show us what these new destinations are. If you have any of this, please let us know via our subreddit. Yo, what's up? If you liked this episode and you want to hear more, please visit our website, headmountedpodcast.com, and sign up for our email list to get notified about new episodes. Super important. Sign up for our email list. You can also listen to the show on YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. If you want to discuss this episode or suggest future topics, please visit our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash headmountedpodcast and throw down a comment. If you really want to give us some love, follow our Twitter at Mounted Head, our Facebook page at Head Mounted Podcast, and tell your friends about us. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.